Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. your socks oh oh this is a deeper question than i expected out the gate mary jane okay because i haven't gotten new socks in what feels like a very long time yet it is one of my favorite things to own Mm -hmm. a small gesture that would feel good every time i put them on that i need to do more of for myself definitely are you talking are you talking like um are you talking are you Are you talking pre-pandemic sock purchasing? No, and maybe this is a man thing. Not to timestamp like, it, sorry. Oh my gosh, Ooh. not evergreen. What if someone <laughs> listens to this some other time? Evergreen. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a dude thing possibly where we just stop growing so our clothes always stay workable. And so I've, I have like the same three pairs of shorts I've always had. I have the same two pairs of jeans I've always had. Like until something has crotch holes and my keys can't stay in the pocket because there's holes that make them drop down the leg. I'm not getting new clothes. It's all fully about function over anything. And yet your sneaker game is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like you always have a fresh pair of fucking sneaker sneaks. What, what do the kids call them? Wow. <laughs> you call hats lids, right? <laughs> I go on your phone and the very first thing on your Safari Explorer is like, what kids are saying these what days? Do, what do the kids call it? <laughs> there's highlights, there's bowls. Do they still say things are fire? Are things fire around here? <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> How How's your fire day going? <laughs> are you asking me about socks because you saw my, toe, my, my socks the other day and you were like, yo, you need to go get some news. No, I mean, I've been thinking about socks a lot because we we saw Barb and Mar, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, and there was a really good sock joke in that that oh, made me yeah. laugh so hard. Definitely, everyone needs to watch that movie. Fucking buy it while it's like in quote unquote theaters right now. Give your money to it so they make more of that shit. It's like old school classic buddy comedy with two brilliant fucking people at the top of their game. But on the sock tip, no, I'm asking because I'm wearing these socks. I don't buy socks very often. And I was given these socks as maybe like some Christmas swag and they're very comfortable for the most part. But then the fucking part that goes up around your leg is too tight. Oh, the cuff. The cuff is too tight. It's squeezing my leg in an uncomfortable way. And then when I roll them down, they're too thick. So it feels like bulky. So I don't like that. Then I was just thinking about like sock purchases because I got some other socks that I've been wearing in bed because they're like cashmere Ooh. and they make my toes feel really good. And then I kick them off just to the right time. But um, in general, I was just thinking like my sock game, I need a little help. And maybe I thought you had like a sock hookup, a sock plug. A sock plug? Mm-hmm. Okay. So two things. One is I know you well enough to know you're still going to keep wearing these socks because you're going to feel bad because they were a <laughs> gift, even though they're mad uncomfortable. And you're just going to be like, maybe they'll loosen up sometime and they won't. And you're just <laughs> going to continue to like grin and bear it. Two, I like to get socks when I get new socks from Gap. Mm. I most of my socks come from Gap. I think it's a nice, thick-cut sock. You just call it Gap, not The Gap? Do you know what I'm talking about? The store? Yeah. With jeans and shorts? Yeah. It's called The Gap. If I, what if I just said Gap? Would you be like, is this a new place? You wouldn't I feel be like, like it it's needs a new a the. Pl- No, it does not. Absolutely. If I said Bed Bath, would you be like, oh, what's that? I feel like you're so lazy. Why aren't you saying the whole thing? Bed, I'm not Bath, and say, Beyond. Because I'm not going to say The Gap. I'm going to just call it a... The one word. So you, when you like need to like get a new phone, you go to Apple Store. No, I go to Apple. Oh. <laughs> Not all of us are journals, journalers, journalists. I know I'm very formal. I'm like I insist on articles and punctuation and proper grammar at all times. Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me so crazy. I know it drives you nuts. I see it drive you nuts. I see you deal with it driving you nuts and deciding not to say anything to me because you know how I am and that I'll be mad and then we'll just be in a fight. 
Yeah. Because I insisted on formalities. Yes. yes. I'm like, we don't need the word the. The timing is off. And you're like, well, maybe we should use it. Yeah, but can I just say, we recently edited something together where you were taking out like nanoseconds of breath. And then we went, <laughs> we, like you took out a third of a second of a breath at one point. And I was like, wow, dude. And you were like, I know. And then we went back in and we watched it. And we realized we'd uh, trimmed too close to the fucking roots. And we needed to like let that shit breathe and have a little... You know, some formality and uh, structure that was more on my end of things. So true that. There's so it's somewhere in the middle. It's what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Good. <laughs> I've been put on blast, and so have you. So I feel like this is the appropriate time to do an intro. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everybody. This is a podcast about comedy, cannabis, cooking, culture, and calling shit out, and socks, and or me being <laughs> microsecondy and you being wordy. Let it breathe. I know. Yeah. I, I really stood by that 0.3 seconds and it was the wrong move. No, that 0.3 seconds actually wasn't the wrong move. It was like the 15 minute cut that you'd made earlier. Oh, I am brutal about that. <laughs> it was it, like, wow. I mean, if you were a landscaper, people would come out and they'd be like, where did it all go? Yeah. They're never going to give me an Avengers movie because it would just be the fights. I would be like, nobody gives a fuck about them standing in an office talking. Just like, just do like a a star wipe to the next fight in the next location. Let's get this bitch down to 40 minutes. What are we doing? Yeah. Oh, I hired him to redo my front lawn and he just like cut it all down and paved it over. <laughs> and he's like, that works better. Ta-da. <laughs> It'll never go bad. Yeah. It'll always be fine. Um. Oh, there was one other thing on the sock tip before we move on to Gary V. Oh, what? Okay. Sock tip. You were talking about where I get socks. You yep. were talking about gifts. You How were talking do- about... Yep. Barb and Mar go to Barb and Star. Why am I not saying that right? I love that movie. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah. Sock jokes. What was the third Toso thing that you were talking about? Cashmere socks in bed. Oh, yes, that was it. Oh, okay. So I just learned, thank you. Um, I just learned that if you go to bed with socks on, mm-hmm. it heats up your body. Yes. And you actually fall asleep faster if you wear socks to bed and then take them off. You saw that TikTok too, huh? I did. It was yeah, that, that doctor was who's doing like informative TikToks? Yes. I love that. It was so cool. I was yeah. like, I do that because I do love one of my... It's not even a guilty pleasure. It's just like a nighttime joy <laughs> is to take off my socks once I'm in bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really nice. It's the greatest. Cashmere socks under a weighted blanket with a dog on my left and a cat on my right and then slowly sliding those off. That's when I know I'm ready. Do you use your big toe to hook? Uh, yes, always. What happens? What do you do with your feet after you release them? I rub them together so they make a papery wishing sound is that true Mm -hmm. that's cool it was totally what my mom used to do and it used to make me crazy when I was a kid because I would like be sitting in the living room with her and she'd be at the end of her day and she'd take her socks off and she'd do that like you know with her feet and I was always like mom and now I do it I'm like whoops (laughs) (laughs) it's not a bad thing to take from her yeah don't judge your parents you know you're gonna get there (laughs) <laughs> if the worst thing is I rub my feet together like my mom before bed, mm-hmm. I think that's that's all right. You came out okay. I'm okay. Yeah. What do you do with your feet after you take your socks off? I push, you know, this the big toe, middle toe space. Yeah. I push that into the Achilles heel oh, of the other one so and like good. spread my toes wide oh. and push like in into the, and then I do that with both. And like really stretch them out. I feel like it's almost like cracking knuckles, but for, uh, for, but for sleeping. I bet that feels so fucking good. It feels amazing. I, oh. I can only imagine being in my mom's womb and her being like, "Jesus, kid, enough <laughs> with the stretching and fucking." Ugh. Yeah, I bet I was a shitty womb. You were a sh- you were a bad fetus. I bet I was a real annoying fetus. Goes all the way back, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had notes from inside there. Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, I think we should uh, cut down this time that you were doing this thing. I'm, I know I'm just in here, but I don't see what you're doing. Is it useful? Is this a useful part of your day, Mom? Yeah. She's like, I'm eating to feed you. That's why my apartment is so bare because I'm just like trying to get back to the womb when things were simple and empty. And you could just stretch by yourself and no one would bother you. Exactly. Fucking stretching. That you cannot be fucking overstated how great it is. I've been going on snoops with our friend Natalie. And she's a dancer, and so she stretches like constantly. She's always in some kind of stretch, and um, because she's got so many fucking amazing like injuries that she's she's just amazing. So she's always like, oh, let me just like lean on this thing over here and stretch my arm out or whatever. And she's taught me so much about stretching. And there's this place called Calf Stretch Corner that we stop at. We get really stoned before we go on our walks, and then 
we like walk up this huge sort of beautiful walk into the hills in Los Feliz and we get to calf stretch corner where we're like perfectly baked and we've been laughing the whole way and then you stand and you stretch your calves looking over downtown LA that's heaven that sounds so nice it's real good it sounds earned yeah Which also stretched with stretching when you're high is like have you ever done yoga stoned I've not done yoga stoned, but when I stretch stoned, I mm. can in, I can see my bones separating mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah, I'd rather do high yoga than hot yoga, any day. Wait, what if you combined it and did high hot yoga? Oh, I think I would not like that. No, no, I don't like hot yoga anyway. And I think if if I were really high, I'm just so conscious of temperature anyway. What are my neighbors doing? Are they moving out? what's good. going on good your neighbors suck i have to say at yeah. this point like i'm oh, i'm over it yo real talk it's they're the, just cra- it's the they, same fucking people they slam the door they fuck super loud which i don't want to get in the way of your bag if no, you're doing it for only fans have fun but, but like, like oh yo my God. shut the fuck up today they took a shower that was it sounded like they were in your apartment <laughs> i know well and it was long too like i like to take a 2 a.m shower by mm-hmm. myself alone mm-hmm. and usually with the lights off so it's like dark and spooky and it gives me a moment of clarity uh-huh. they take an i don't i don't appreciate a mid-afternoon hour-long shower like this pandemic <laughs> needs to end just so that they get the fuck out of here when we record oh biden <laughs> institute a some kind of mandate where everybody has to get the fuck out of their apartment between 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. so that we can record our fucking podcast. Yo, or we should just get a studio space. Maybe we should do that. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. I mean, or yeah, we get on a network because South by Southwest is going to be so dope. That's right. I'm so fucking excited. We recorded that panel. Uh, everyone check it out. We're going to be at South by 2021. Uh, the panel is called How Art and Entertainment Are Crucial in Destigmatizing Cannabis with our incredible guests, Open Mike Eagle and Laganja Estranja. So excited about it. Let's talk about Gary Vee, speaking of it. Oh. So you were on a panel last Thursday. Yes. Where Gary Vee popped in. It was crazy. So far, when you did Glazed, uh-huh. my show Glazed, you played a potato mm-hmm. who... Oh, no, you weren't a potato. You did uh, all of... Fatal Attraction in Fatal 10 Attraction minutes. Fatal Attraction in 10 minutes. Best movie ever. And then Dave Chappelle came on stage. So you opened for Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and last Thursday, you were on Clubhouse Green Street Magic Hour. Yep. Gary V popped in. Wild. Spoke before you. Yep. And so you closed for Gary V. I closed for Gary V. What a crazy experience that was because Rama had invited me to be a part of that Magic Hour, which you had done the week before. So fun. They're doing it every Thursday. Check it out on Clubhouse. And they have amazing guests. And he'd asked me to come on and speak about earned media. And I was like next to the stage. And then he was like, coming up next to the stage, oh, we've got Gary V, <laughs> who's a partner in Green Street. Right. And who had just like popped in. And of course, Gary V showed up in that room. It immediately swelled to 5,000 people. And he chatted for like half an hour about his you know, predictions for the weed industry and brands and, you know, all this Gary V fucking knowledge. And, and then Rama brought me up and I was like, Oh, hi, that was a weird experience. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah. And you, what you were saying about earned media, I didn't even know about, and we spend so much time together, the idea yeah. of how to earn media right. for you, for you, your brand, your company, et cetera, is really important and really hard to do. Right. Well, what, you know, so for anyone who doesn't know, earned media is just media that you don't pay for. So you're not writing your own sort of press release and then paying someone to post it or sponsored content or advertising. or It's just someone else writing about you without you giving them any money. And that can come in the form of like a tweet or an Instagram post or a fucking Yelp review if you're a business. There are all sorts of ways that earned media exists. But yeah, I was there just to talk about, you know, how, how I write about things, how I find stories to write about, what I like in a pitch, how to, how to compose a pitch. And it was really great because I got a bunch of new followers on um, IG who DM'd me and they were like, I'd love to, you know, tell you about my story. And I have some new, like, things that I'm following up, some cool leads. That's awesome. Yeah, about people out there making their own dreams come true, as you like to say. It's true. And the people who hit you up, were they receptive to the tips that you gave them on how <laughs> to, you know, do do this dance. It's so funny that you say that because one of the things that Rama and I were saying was like, you know, just write the art, write the email, the initial sort of outreach or DM or whatever it is. It should just be the hook. It shouldn't be the story. It shouldn't try to tell me much more than like, like I, I want to get you interested. Exactly. Like you don't watch a movie trailer where it shows you everything that's 
not the trailer. Yeah. You right? just, yeah. You just want the trailer. Yeah. Exactly right. If I want to watch the movie, like I want, I watch the trailer so I will see the movie. You would, you should send me that email so I will look into your product. Don't try and explain it all to me in that initial outreach. So, um, that, yeah, I mean, a well-written email is so hard to do. Like it, you want a lot of white space. You want very clear links. You want, you know, if there are any attachments, make sure they're not like fucking from crazy places and um, maybe don't put attachments if you don't know the person you're writing to, all that kind of stuff. And then immediately, like one of the one of the wonderful, truly wonderful person who wrote to me, wrote it was like three page. It was a bunch of scrolling, oh, and I was like, "How oh. many thumb scrolls was it? Two, three, more? three. It was Ooh. three. Yeah. Yo, that's a lot of thumb. <laughs> that's a lot of thumb. But honestly, you know the the crazy cool thing about being in weed media in the cannabis world is that. You know, there aren't um, that many people who are qualified to tell the stories of a lot of these like smaller brands. And there are a few journalists out there like David Bienenstock, who's going to be a guest of ours on here soon. And some other wonderful writers who um, are just, you know, qualified to talk about not only the story of, you know, whatever that company or brand is, but like knowing the history of, of the plant and the movement and everything. And so I, I feel pretty lucky to have gotten an education to be able to write about that kind of stuff as, as I do. And I, I love it. And I know it's tuning my own horn a little bit and I feel a bit uncomfortable about it, but like, I feel uniquely positioned to write about yeah. cannabis in some, in some ways. So when people reach out to me with their stories, I'm always like, fucking a, this is cool. It is very cool. People yeah. believe in you because you're great at what you do. Thanks. Now I feel weird and shy. Why? I don't know because I was like, what I'm would Gary really good v about say writing about situation. <laughs> Gary v, yeah, he'd be like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Just such fucking confidence and belief in himself at all times. So, congratulations. Thanks. And I learned a lot from that. If anybody else wants to check out uh, Magic Hour, yeah, it is five to eight p.m. Pacific on Thursdays on Clubhouse. Yes, Green Street Magic yeah. Hour. Follow Mary Jane, and that's how you'll find it. And follow Mike, because you were on there before I was. So look at you. We're going to do other ones where I'm a shark, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask some of my comedian friends to come up with bad cannabis pitch ideas to pitch Rama and me on Magic Hour, where we (laughs) will potentially PayPal someone up to $5. Fantastic. I have to say, of the pitches that you had that night that you were on Magic Hour, I like the one where you were like, New federal uh, legislation should be that uh, after weed is legal across the land, that all new federal buildings should have slides instead of staircases. <laughs> and then someone piped up and he was like, and slip and slides outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, See? You know, it's a good idea when everyone's on. getting it going. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? And the water fountain should have Dr. Pepper in them. <laughs> <laughs> the same shit that student council presidents run on. <clears throat> Strawberry milk in the lunchroom. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Every room, every floor of every building should have a hot box room. Yeah. You know, just with like clean pieces and rigs that you can go in and just like fucking do a dab before going about your day. I lo- Hey, if we're going to have those maternity rooms, then we should also have hot box rooms. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Nope. Vote for Mike Laser 2024. <laughs> I do not endorse his campaign. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're out here coming for nursing mothers with your like smoking rights. <laughs> yeah, <Hilarious. laughs> this is now an official. And then I smack the the baby picture and I cover it with a bong and I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? It's a not gonna thing. work out. It's not gonna work out. Uh, speaking of campaigns, you want to get to the news this week? Oh yes, please. I want to hear the <laughs> Grublick Gazette. Oh, uh, this is from Marijuana Moment. You can f- check out all this great news where we're getting our news from at marijuanamoment.net. The Grublick Gazette this week says. Marijuana delivery services are being added to the New York governor's revised legalization program. Great. Things are cooking in the right direction, potentially. I'll read a little bit of it because um, Cuomo was put on blast. So his amended budget budget plan to legalize weed has three new things in it. One, it's going to allow marijuana deliveries. Two, it's going to lower the penalties for selling cannabis to underage people or illegally selling large volumes of weed. Mm-hmm. And three, it's going to create a new framework for how social equity grants are distributed. Fucking A. Yes. <clears throat> That's great. I'd really like to have a lawyer on from New York or New Jersey to sort of like talk to us about what's going on on the East Coast because it's such an incredible time and this stuff is all really happening. And Cuomo is rightfully being put on blast because he 
I know about the like the selling um, to minors. They were increasing the penalties in order to legalize cannabis. They were going. They were sort of like being told that they had to make the penalties incredibly strict. And right now it's a misdemeanor, so it's actually going to mean that under legal weed in New York, that the penalties for minors being caught with cannabis would be stronger than they are now. Isn't that crazy? Stricter and stronger, and they would put kids. Yeah. And so it used to be a class D felony, felony punishable by up to two point five years in prison. Uh-huh. Now it's a thousand dollar fine or up to a year in prison. Right. Big fucking difference. Yeah. Big difference. Big fucking Isn't difference. Isn't that crazy? You're it so is right. Fucking crazy. Yeah. And I can't imagine any state thinking that legalizing cannabis without legalizing delivery would fucking get away with it. Like there's so many people who, especially right now, you know, with everything going on with the pandemic, but like people who need cannabis and they can't afford to, you know, get to a medical dispensary or they don't have a medical card for whatever reason because they don't have a qualifying condition but they still use cannabis to treat you know fucking to sleep better or whatever to treat their fucking you know or in new york you're like you can't you missed the last train yeah what are you gonna do yeah Yeah. so you have to have delivery for all the people who not only are immunocompromised but people who just can't get to a fucking dispensary for whatever reason like yeah you have to deliver that shit exactly and it's a lower (laughs) point of entry for any like Anyone who wants to get in the cannabis industry, you don't need your own brick and mortar shop. You yes. don't need this kind of overhead, which in New York is crazy expensive already. Yeah. If you can be a part of a delivery service, mm-hmm. you have a shot at surviving and possibly thriving. Yeah. Some of the greatest delivery services of all time are in New York, the underground ones. They're fucking awesome. I have a friend who delivers edibles by bike. She makes them herself. They're fucking kosher and gluten-free and delicious and potent and fucking amazing. And she will come to your house and hand them off to you in a paper bag on her bicycle. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Fucking awesome. That's the delivery service I want. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, Cuomo, get your act together. He's been doing all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. So. Well, and then on the third tip, the way that they're going to, like grants are going to be more accessible for mental health initiatives, mm-hmm. putting things back into, let me pull it up and just read. Why am I trying to remember? Anything? And I really do hope that they are making it very... Uh, you know, much less complicated to apply for the social equity applications because that's a, you know, the fucking stop and frisk policies under Giuliani and Bloomberg put so many people in prison who, you know, have the fucking right to benefit from legal cannabis more than anyone, all of the black and brown boys and men whose lives were fucking ruined by those punitive policies. Like it's the mind fucking boggles. So I hope that social equity licenses are very, uh, easy to apply for and liberally given out. So yes and no, it's a cleaner way to do it, but there's a lot more departments that it has to go through mm. before you can get them. But it's not this like scatter shot. Let's figure it out where then a big business can call another big business and be like, Hey friend, we're both presidents of powerful places. We're going to scoop this all up. No, no, no. Like they're trying to squash that. So they're making it difficult just in the way unemployment is a pain in the ass to get or food stamps or anything else. It's like you have to put these steps into action and they have to be perfect, but you have a shot. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's at right now. And there's going to be a, um, the grants that you can apply for have to do with job training, mental health treatment, housing and financial literacy. Um, there's going to be a hundred million dollars over the first four years and then 50 million annually after that. So wait, I'm not clear on this. You're saying that these, all of this, I'm not clear on what you're saying. Okay. So I will read a paragraph. Great. Um, In respect to social equity, the amended plan doesn't increase grant funding as advocates are calling for. Rather, Cuomo is laying out specifics on how the funds will be managed and what those dollars will specifically support. Okay. So this is not for people to gain entry into the cannabis industry as licensees. This is to make reparations for the harms done by the war on drugs. Yes. Eligible community-based nonprofits and local governments can apply for grants in the following areas. Gotcha. Yep. All right. So we are still missing pieces of the puzzle is and what also I'm hearing give, you say. Yeah. Give people jobs in the legal cannabis industry and make sure that if you have a record, especially for a nonviolent drug offense, that you're still able to fucking work in the industry. The industry that people are profiting off of that you went to fucking jail for. Right. Mm. Like our fucking guest today. Like our fucking guest today, who we'll get to very, yes. very soon. Yes. Guests. What are we saying? Guests. Yeah. Our, our amazing guests. I'm very excited about this conversation. So New York is uh, late to the game, still <laughs> late to the game, but the people are putting the pressure in the right places to get things in a way that it'll benefit. Yeah. Um, uh, like Americans, like yeah. s- society and not just six 
fucking people who all control everything like I believe is the truth. Uh, well, thank you to everyone in New York and, and all of the states that are still working to free and legalize the plant for safe and fair access for all because that's what we believe in and we are you know here to fight alongside you and uh, keep talking about it and smoking it. Doing it. And eating it. I'm in the back of my head while you're saying this. I'm kind of like, dang, I read out loud good. Because I haven't like done that. <laughs> I haven't, you, you know great. what I mean? Like I haven't done that in so long. Like mm. that's a skill that just goes out the fucking window after elementary school. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like, dang, I was reading good as hell right then. You were, it was fantastic. <laughs> and thank you for explaining that to me because I really was uh, confused about what that was. So thank you. And yes, <laughs> correct. You did great. Um, do we want to get to Buds of the Week and then this interview? Is it time? It can be time. Okay. If we want it to be, we can do whatever sure. we want. Let's make it time. We're not on a net network yet. We haven't sold out completely yeah, just yet. Yeah, there's no yet. like dude in a suit pacing in the hallway and looking in the window and tapping his wrist. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, exactly. He has a fucking pocket watch and a uh, wrist watch because one is um, in China and one is in Russia and he's that guy okay yeah i kind I'm, of actually want that guy on our side though i do too because i'm picturing <laughs> jeff goldblum and i'm like oh he'd be such a good boss at a podcast network i kind of want a boss honestly i would love to have i mean this please don't take me at my word but i do i like i kind of do miss the being told when to be and where to be by someone else and like not necessarily needing to be in charge of setting it up for myself having said that i i wouldn't give up what we do for anything and i don't want you to be my boss that's for sure hell no we're equals i don't either yeah no we're equals you're gonna get that though but you're gonna get that and you're gonna be like remember the time when i was free like the grass is green everywhere it just depends on where you're picking it up right and i think like you just need to make sure that if you are hiring someone to to be your boss effectively which would be what we would do if we were to get on a network or anything or like choose a director for our fucking screenplay or whatever it is when you're hiring that boss you just gotta you know do it right like i i've I've been so lucky to have some of the greatest bosses who have made me a totally like evolved person in so many ways my skipper on the fish boat that i worked on was like one of the best fucking bosses I've ever had. I learned so much from him. I get that. Yeah, including being like, just chill out. If shit's not going well, don't freak out and yell. Just calm down. <laughs> it's going to be okay. That's yell, a good yelling lesson. on a fish boat doesn't get you anywhere. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And all the fish are like, ow, my my, my No, they're ears. dead. They're all dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're sleeping in ice totes. Oh, they're sleeping with themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not bad. That was pretty fast. Okay. <laughs> you hated that one. I can't believe you hated that one. You teed me up for a perfect home I run. I did. And you still weren't happy with the I can't give it all to swing. you this episode. I said you I said you d- did the news story well. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh no, let's save that. I'm going to save the things that we have coming up. We've already talked about South by. Okay. I was going to let loose a couple more things, but oh. we should wait. Okay. A, a, let's wait. Another week or a two. A cliffhanger. Ah. Ah. People listening are all like, we don't care. Just get to the interview. <laughs> you think so? I don't know. I love people who listen to this podcast because they're so like, I think like us, they're like, uh, whatever it is each week, it's like whatever it is. You know, sometimes it's just Mike and MJ doing a loose moose and sometimes it's like, an incredible interview like we have today and sometimes it's you know we're just talking about like sometimes it's just my neighbors (laughs) fucking for an hour and we're just sitting here quietly being like can we go yet can we go can we go can we go okay now they're slapping now they're laughing i gotta find it yeah because maybe i could pay them yeah to stop oh like maybe that's my only only request yeah and i'm like hey how much to get you to stop. Every Tuesday between one and three, I will give you $200 just to not do anything for two hours. I bet they'd say yes. They would, and I'd feel terrible. Yeah. I don't want that. You're, you're dictating their life with money? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. No. <laughs> Yet, it feels safer than walking downstairs and knocking on the door and being like, hey guys, we're recording a podcast we're really proud of and we love to do. Would you mind just like holding on for 20 minutes? Oh. Instead, I have to like passive aggressively slip them money to because I am too cowardice to look them in the eye and be honest. What What would you think if you like l- l- layered, lowered, sorry, I'm having like a total brain moment. If you lowered down a fruit basket from your window here just uh-huh. in front of their window like a nice fruit basket like an edible arrangement with a note every week <laughs> <laughs> every yeah every, every tuesday week. at 1 p.m <laughs> well here comes that fucking fruit basket again from that weirdo upstairs who just 
won't come and knock on our door. <laughs> he's lowering it with a rope and he's like, and detach it because I need the rope yeah. back up here for the next week. Thanks, guys. I will say we are dedicated to the lockdown. That's why you can't go and knock on anyone's door right now. There's no door knocking. It's oh, his old man. fruit basket lowering. That's yeah. how we got to do it. I like it, especially because I still have to order the fruit basket. Yes. I have to go buy a rope. Mm-hmm. I need to <laughs> let them know what this is so that it's not a fruit basket surprise week one. Yeah, you slide a note under their door the day before, and then you <laughs> lower the fruit basket. Listen, this is how things are done. Where? I don't know. Here. Somewhere. Yeah, here. <laughs> Some small island in Croatia. Would you ever... It's like res- the fruit basket lowering. Everybody knows that move. It means shut up. We're recording a podcast. If I put you in their shoes, would you respect my fruit basket? I would take that fruit basket and I would shove it up your fucking... I would bring that fruit basket up here and I would like jam every piece of fruit under your door with a broomstick and be like, fuck you. Yeah. What are you trying to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> you may not treat me like that yeah yeah i'd be mad word yeah i'd be super mad <laughs> let's get to buds in the week in okay. this interview yours first mine first um i will go well we kind of touched on yours yeah so i'll go first mine is green street it's at green street on instagram they're a, an incredible cannabis creative agency here in los angeles i met them when i moved to la i think maybe a week after i moved here Rama and his business partners who run Green Street had this beautiful magic hour on the roof of the building of the offices that I was working in. And it was like the fucking coolest. I remember being up there perfectly stoned. The sun was setting. It was that crazy Los Angeles magic hour of the like pinks and blues in the sky. And I felt so perfectly held in the like palm of the city. There was amazing music playing. Everyone up there was beautiful. And I was having this conversation with this guy who was like, yeah, everything you want is in LA. There's mountains, there's surf, there's great weed, there's incredible music. And I was like, oh my God. And um, ever since then, I've been like, yep, they know what's up. So yeah. follow Green Street. They're great. They're building a huge building downtown that hopefully we will be uh, recording some stuff at when it's ready. And they're just cool peeps. Very cool peeps. My vote of the week this week is Sasso, the homie, Eric Sasso, incredible photographer. He shot everybody from Young Thug to fucking P. Diddy. And uh, Capetta introduced us. And it felt really cool because I'm on his grid with all of these incredible artists because he took some pictures of me. I'll post a picture on the Weed and Grub Instagram that he took of me this week. Dope. Um, follow Sasso at S-A-S-S-O. He is not only a great photographer, but a great hang on Clubhouse. He's the kind of moderator you want because he keeps the ball in the air, makes everybody feel good about themselves, and brings other people into the fray. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Love it. So shout out to my buddy of the week, Eric Sasso. Um, you're a talented motherfucker, and I'm honored to know you. Awesome buds of the week. Yeah. And now our VIBs. Our very important buds. So let's give them a proper introduction and tell Corvain's story a little bit. Um, because when we chatted with them, the audio was a little bit maybe went in and out. So we just wanted to really set this up for you. So Corvain. Corvain Cooper was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for a nonviolent cannabis conviction. And he was granted clemency by former President Donald Trump just hours before Trump left office. That part of our interview with them one is yeah. crazy. Bananas. It is crazy. So here's the background on what happened. So in 2013, as Corvain was taking his daughter to a drill team competition, federal agents showed up at his house and arrested him. One of his childhood friends got a reduced sentence by fingering Corvain as one of the several people helping to traffic cannabis to the East Coast. Wow. So on October 21st, 2013, Corvain was found guilty of money laundering, tax evasion, and conspiracy to distribute more than one ton of cannabis. The charges did not include any allegation of violence, and Corvain's prior record has no violent crimes. Yeah, none of them. And of all the people arrested, including the leader of this whole network, Corvain was the only one who was sentenced to life. I mean, it was his third strike. He had two prior nonviolent drug felonies on his record, but life? But Obama's administration had sent a memo just before Corvain's trial instructing courts to not pursue enhanced sentences for people accused of nonviolent drug offenses. But North Carolina insisted on applying the three strikes law to Corvain's case. And at sentencing, the judge said he had no choice but to send Corvain away for life without parole. Fucking brutal. And then in 2017, changes in California law reduced both of Corvain's prior drug convictions from felonies down to misdemeanors, which changed his criminal history that he was sentenced on. 
The thing is, the federal court in North Carolina still refused to reduce his punishment. Corvain was granted clemency on January 20th, and now he's free. He's home with his family, and he's working with his friend Anthony on a new social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice for cannabis prisoners. This was an amazing interview. Mm -hmm. Big honor. Yeah. So without further ado, here is our interview with... Corvain and Anthony of 40 Tons. From how you want to feel and when to what strain at what dose, achieving an ideal cannabis experience for your lifestyle can be a confusing journey of trial and error. While cannabis can be complex, enjoying it shouldn't be. Mode has the answer. It's the little dosing device with a brain. That looks like a piece of modern art that hits so well that I hope everybody will get because I love this machine. It's so cool. We're one of the first, I think, 20 or 30 people to actually check out the Mode, and I love it. It's got real-time dosing control precision down to a milligram. Mm -hmm. It's got smart memory. It has its own app. It's pocket-sized, discreet. It's for however you want to consume, medical or recreational. You just use it however. Let me ask you a question, Mary Jane. Okay. Would this fit in all of your different pockets? Yes, that would fit in like like my watch pocket on my jeans. I think it would fit in there pretty well. I think it's a fifth pocket accessory that I can't wait to use. <laughs> it, that is a ride along for life situation yeah. because it fits all carts. Basically, it's got universal 510 compatibility. So any vape cartridge that you would you know use with your 510 battery, you can pop it into the mode and then you can adjust consumption. So you can say, I want to have two milligrams per dose or three all the way up to five. And then it lets you know when you've had that dose. So you're promising me a perfect hit every single time with mode. It's precision. It's amazing. And it's made by friends. Yeah, that's the best part, right? <laughs> yeah. Supporting the homies. Yep. We talked to the, the uh, co-founder of the company, Steven. It was an amazing hang. He's such a neat person. Such a great story. And they're just out here to like make the dosing experience with cannabis manageable. Yeah. I like to know what I'm going to get every single time. So let me ask you this, because we are on one of only like 20 people who have this. Uh-huh. Is it on the market yet? It is not on the market, but you can reserve your own right now. So if you go to mode.co, you can reserve your very own mode device and you can get the new standard in personalized cannabis delivered when it's ready. Mode is the first of its kind device, giving you the ideal experience every time, powering a happy, healthy, and productive lifestyle from the palm of your hand. I want a perfect Tesla in my pocket. Oh yeah, it is. It's like ordering a Tesla. Yeah, sign me up. Get to Mode and order yourself one. You can reserve your very own at mode.co. That's M-O-D-E dot C-O. And also give them a follow on Instagram at mode.co. What is happening? Thank you for joining us. Could you please, please, please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are, how you met, what you do, what's going on? I'm Corvain Cooper. I just was serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for a marijuana charge, distribution of marijuana. And uh, I'm happy to be here. I've been knowing this guy for 26 years. And, um, we're starting one of the biggest uh, cannabis social impact brands, 40 tons, and that's going to be the biggest in the world. And um, we just want to help the other 40,000 prisoners get out. And, uh, we want to change the narrative. They got me on a shirt now. Justice I've been served for me. It's 40 more thousand people who justice need to be served for. We're not stopping it, so it's done. My name's uh, Anthony Allegretti. Uh, I'm the uh, operations director of 40 tons. My wife is the CEO of 40 Tons, and I've known this guy forever. We grew up together. We went to high school together. We started hustling together. We, we've done a lot uh, over these years. And so we're now back together again, and we're about to crush it. And like Corvain said, 40 Tons is about um, social impact. So we have a lot of different verticals that we're going to be working with. So uh, we're working on the cannabis vertical, uh, making sure that we you know, follow all the rules, regulations, guidelines, and making sure that that's good. But then we also have apparel. We also have um, paraphernalia, you know, like cigarette lighters, or not cigarette, but lighters, uh, you know, uh, water Bong, pipes, bongs, bongs um, you know, trays, rolling papers, things of that nature as well. And so that's our way of uh, getting into the industry. And it's very social impact. It's it's like Tom's, where for every one shoe you buy, you give to someone that doesn't have a shoe in a third world country. Well, for us, for every product that you buy with us, uh, a percentage of that goes back towards helping the prisoners, whether it's when they come home or whether it's while they're still locked up. I, I want to get into your story a little bit because I know, Corvain, you're, you're recently home after 
being incarcerated. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that's like and, and also just your, your story? I mean, I know a lot of people would like to hear about, you know, how, how you ended up in prison in the first place and, and, and how, how you got out. Okay, well, I'm walking on water, man. So I feel just, we see that water drinking right there. That's how I feel. I'm walking on water. So I can all start back from, um, we started selling marijuana in like 2003. We started selling one eighth. Yeah, me and him had a one eighth. Then we flipped that to a half an ounce. Then we flipped it to, you know, it keeps going. And we go to the house. Now we're at the cleaning house. Then we figure out wait a minute, you can send the weed out of town. We don't even have to do this. You can mail the weed out of town and get double the money. <laughs> So we find out how to do that. So now the game's kind of elevating now. So it's kind of going kind of faster because now you can get paid next day for $3,000, you can get $6,000 if you send it on the other side of the world. So you just got to put it in a box and mail it. So we're thinking like, whoa, we're not hurting anybody. We're not affecting anybody. We can sell some weed and sell it on the other side of the world and send it down south from California and get double our money. So why don't we want to just do this? So we end up doing it and we end up keep doing it and keep doing it where we make it, where we're tired of boxes now and now it's crates. You know, now we want two, 300 pounds at one time to get to the other side of the world in two days. You feel me? So it keeps going up and up. That's why the 40 tons is a brand because that's the name of the conspiracy and that's what we were charged for. You see what I'm saying? So it keeps going on. So now after 06, everybody's splitting up and breaking up. So he goes this way, I go this way. Everybody's going a different in different directions. Now with all that going on, it's 2008. I bring an old friend back into the game. So I get back into the game of sending it to Charlotte. And that's just how I get me and my co-defendants because I needed, they needed help getting the money back from Charlotte. So he only needed me just to find somebody to get the money back. I don't have to touch the marijuana. He's going to do all, he's a workaholic, so he's going to touch all the marijuana. He's going to go out there and deal with the people. I don't need to meet the people in Charlotte. So Evelyn and Natalia, if you've read my case, those are my co-defendants that I want to travel with because I got them tied in it because they helped me get the money back from Charlotte by putting $18,000 a day in their account. So we went to trial. Boom. Now the old friend comes back. He ends up turning on all of us. So now comes to speed it up a little bit. It's 2000. By he's already in jail. He gets caught in 2010, nine. nine or 10. Yeah, like so he's tying us all up in it. But I don't know that the powers of B that you can be in jail, have a long record than everybody and uh, get everybody off the streets and tied into a conspiracy because I have to learn about the conspiracy law when all this is happening. Because now we've backed out. I start the clothing store. I started my own clothing line. I've changed my life around. I got my kids. Everybody has went. He has an organization called Jump for Joy. Everybody's doing their own thing, and we've caught ourselves. We thought we got out the game. So now 2013 comes, and the feds come knock on the door and says, remember the thing in Charlotte? Remember uh, that money that you made? Okay, you got to pay for that now. You're going to get expedited to Charlotte, even though I've never been to Charlotte a day in my life. I don't know anybody in Charlotte. You feel me? I never talked to none of the people in Charlotte. So I thought it would okay, you got to take me to trial. And my co-defendants thought the same way. Well, let's all go to trial since the only hardcore evidence you have, because somebody can get you in a conspiracy right now. If there's somebody that's doing wrong and that's have a phone number and they can show the jury a ledger of you talking to them, they can just show the call logs. At our jury, they didn't show nothing but call logs at our trial. So it's not like they had a physical conversation with me talking to anybody. So just know that. And um, so me and my... Um, Call defendants went to trial and uh, we got found guilty in October. So we did a speedy trial from January thing. So I'm like, uh, I'm still thinking like, you know, I'm found guilty, but I don't think they're gonna give me life. You know what I mean? They're saying it, but I just can't actually see it happening. So then 2014, he actually slammed the gavel and actually said, you got life without the, this is hard on the court to do it, he said, but you're getting a life without the possibility for all. So now I have to fight, 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 fight. You feel what I'm saying? So. It was, a, it was a long journey from there. Besides leaving your family behind, that's why the 40 tons is a brand that's, it might look easy to carry, but it's not, you know what I mean? Because the 40 tons is it's, it's a weight, but it's carried on everybody. It's carried on my mom's getting older and her legs broke. My dad got older during the time. So I missed their 60th birthday party together. The kids or 
missing Father's Daddy's Day at school when I got two daughters and I'm not at their sixth grade graduation. You know, you know, you're missing everybody else. Daddy can pick them up, but I can't pick my dad. My, you know, I mean, where's my dad when why he can't ever pick me up? And they're saying that I'm never coming home. So you have to deal with all that on it too. You know what I mean? So and relatives dying. And relatives dying. My uncle died. My granny died. You know, you're losing people. It's just it, it, it's not no easy road. You know. Now, remind me, you're doing this alone because you can't go to visit. You don't even know anybody out here. So don't lead up. Don't lead a part out that you're going through this all alone. My boy Parker Coleman, luckily, he, he's going to be the first person we're going to get out. He used to have his mom and his sister come visit me. You see what I'm saying? So that was the only visits I would get because I don't know nobody in my Charlotte. My family's not been in Charlotte. I'm the breadwinner of the family. So I'm the person that would fly people out. So now the breadwinner is gone and I'm the glue to the family. So it's just a lot, you know what I mean? If I'm out of pocket here, I apologize, but it seems like they're using laws and ways to get you into a mil- into a prison industrial complex, use you as an example. Like, like you're being, like, it just seems like you're being used in all of these ways that are just like, not only like inhumane, but also just like inaccurate. Like you're being, you're being painted as this person that you, you aren't, you have a fucking business. You were out of the game. Like you created something for yourself. That actually makes it worse on you because now they're going to show this in your trial. They're going to show the business. That's cool. This, this gets you a money laundering charge because now with conspiracy is so hard to get out. It's the web you can't get out of because as long as we were talking on the phone, as long as we just had this meeting that we're having right now, whatever it is that you're doing in your personal time, you're selling pounds, you're selling weed. They can say that we're selling weed because we had 10 emails of us hooking up about to do something and this was the big deal that we did. So they're gonna break it down and show the jury in a different way. Then they're gonna get up on the stand because they're trying to get a time cut. So they're gonna say whatever it is they need to get out of jail against you. And this is their only witnesses because the actual investigating officer said, have you ever seen Mr. Cooper committing crime? No. Have you ever seen Mr. Cooper with any weed? No. It's actually better to get caught with 10,000 pounds. Even if you got caught with the whole 80,000 with the whole 40,000 pounds, you still wouldn't get in life. That's a possession. So you might get five or 10 years if you actually just physically just got caught at the warehouse with the pounds. That's actually easier to do than actually getting a conspiracy charge of something that's keep going on. So I, I apologize at, if this is like an insensitive question, but I do think that the people, our listeners are going to want to hear an answer to it. Um, is prison like every TV show? that you see like what the fuck is it like this is a that's a deep question right there because some people go to different prisons you feel what i'm saying so i only went to usps where people are getting killed i've seen four or five murders i've seen eight suicides i've actually seen a guy slit his whole neck from ear to ear because he can't take the lockdown because we're on lockdown 24 hours a day in a cell i was actually on lockdown when we got the clemency you know what i mean when the clemency came through I was on lockdown then, so, and they're calling every day and they're calling back and forth and they're still on, there's still tension in the air and lockdown. And everybody has a knife, thank God for the blessings, you know. I came out without a scratch. There's some people that's not leaving and not making it out of there. So I made it out of there without a scratch and uh, I've been around, I guess I can say the best of, some of the best killers in, around the world, you know, so. Because I remember on your, or on the 40 tons Instagram, Anthony, like you, you just threw everything in your bag and you hopped on a plane and like, it was a wrap. Like there was just no questions asked. I think it was even a red eye to, to meet, uh, Corvain like there. Could you talk about that briefly? Yeah. So, um, so we're in the middle of uh, doing a documentary and, um, part of that documentary process was capturing, um, basically the end of Trump's term. And so as the days were counting down, I was getting feedback from various advocacy sources that, hey, it's looking good, like it could happen. But obviously you don't know, like, I mean, this is a long shot. It's one in a million. Who knows if it's going to happen? But each of these advocacy people kept saying, no, no, it's going to happen. I'm feeling it. I know it is. Like, like, like I'm, we're talking to Ivanka's people and this and that, and I'm getting this feedback from multiple sources. Right. So I call up, um, I hit up Sarah's one of those sources from the last prisoner project. And I'm talking to her and I'm like, look, we need to go out there, period. Like I'd have to be out there. If he doesn't get it, 
we'll just record. I'll, I'll get a, a local film crew out there. We'll record um, and we'll stand in front of the prison and complain that he didn't get to come and see and we'll still be able to salvage something of me going out there. But if he gets out there, it's going to be an amazing victory. We need to film that process. We need to capture it. We need to make sure that we can never document. We don't get to like say, well, hold on, let's, we'll go back a second day and refilm him getting released. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had to be able to capture that moment in time, real time. Corvin, do you, did you, were you sort of like waiting to hear the news? Were you preparing and, and just like waiting that whole time? Okay. Let me tell you how that went down. So yeah. We're in jail, so it's the day before. So now they got the CNN on there. So uh, shout out to Harry Young, so shout out to Harry Young, Lil Wayne, and Kodak. So their names was up there. So I'm like, damn, my name ain't up there. But that, but they're my boys, though. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? I'm happy for them, but we're going to still wait. So we're waiting to read the ticker. So we're on lockdown, so I need somebody on the bottom tier. So I'm screaming on the bottom tier, like, uh, man, tell me what's going on on the ticker. It's damn near 11 o'clock now. My name still hasn't went across the thing. So I'm like, damn, you know, we're putting on a lot of work. You know what I mean? We just did the BET thing just on the 29th. It was a front cover New York Times. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, the momentum's there. So next thing I know, uh, I go to sleep around like 11.30, 11.40. Like, oh, man, I kind of got to prepare my mind again to get into a whole nother fight because people don't do clemencies when they go into office. Biden will be in the office tomorrow. I've already put in the universe that I leave when Trump leave. That's when I say I'm leaving the prison. When Trump leave the prison, that's, I mean, gets on a helicopter, I'm leaving. So now it's morning time, I wake up. Boom, I've been listening to NPR. Everybody's been listening to NPR and my name still hasn't been called. No one's heard it. I'm like, damn. I take a deep breath. I might have to, Biden might do eight years. You know what I mean? So you might have to wait eight, eight years. You got to wait till people's end of their term to do clemency. You see what I'm saying? So that's the only thing I'm banking on or a big change in the law, you know what I mean, for cannabis. And um, those are my only two shots of getting out of jail. We haven't exhausted all our remedies in the court, even though I don't have any priors anymore. If I was arrested today, I no longer have any felonies because I was the campaign for Prop 64 or Prop 47. So we have exhausted that. We went to the Supreme Court with that. They denied that. So this is my only way to get out of jail. So now I'm like, damn. Next thing I know, it's the morning. We handcuffed. We might got to get a handcuffed to go to the shower. I can't just open my door and go to the shower. We're on lockdown. We're on a serious lockdown. Somebody yells out their door like, man, Paul Lock, you're in Louisiana, man. They move real slow around here, man. They, they probably still got your name, but they just ain't probably get the paperwork yet. It's just 6 a.m. in the morning. So I look to my left. Trump's getting on his helicopter. You know what I mean? So I'm like, damn, I said, Trump, I know you ain't just gonna leave me in here like this. You know what I mean? Like, damn. So Trump's getting on a helicopter and they're singing. Biden's getting inaugurated in. So it's not like Trump's gonna sign it right now and stop and get off the helicopter. You see what I'm saying? So your shot is even longer than the last shot because it's six in the morning. You feel what I'm saying? So he's already leaving the office. So if they haven't called your name yet, then it's over with. So I actually got to come with some paper tonight by working. So get grabbed that. So next thing I know, they come this one, they come to my door. Um, after I come back from the shower, it's like 10 minutes later. You know what I mean? So then they say, uh, hey Mr. Cooper, they hand, they hand me this thing right here. This is the, this is the exact little paper. So this is the first time on any interview anybody actually seen me. Wow. It's gonna get framed in my house. That's from the president. So they said, there's my name right there at the start. No one has this on our interview, by the way. And they hand me this paper and they say, you got 10 minutes to go pack your stuff up. I go call my mom's and I say, mom's, I'm crying uncontrollably now. And she's like, what are you crying for? Michael called me at 12.30 and said, you're coming home. I'm like, no, these are tears of joy. You know what I mean? These are tears of joy. So she called me, said, call in and it's already outside. And it's history after that, where we are, we're right here. I think this is a good point to talk about the cannabis industry as a whole. Um, because something we talk a lot about on this podcast is how people who are nonviolent cannabis offenders who get out of prison, a lot of them can't even get jobs in the cannabis industry because these laws are all so backwards and messed up. But now we're at this place where it looks like it may go federally legal as soon as this year. So coming out of prison and working in 40 tons, what does the industry look like now? And it also seems like you've been really embraced by it for all the right reasons it looks like to me 
me personally, I believe that with everyone making billions of dollars, you know what I mean? And, uh, it's about to be a trillion dollar industry once, once it's actually proved that everyone coming up, not just me, I'm not only speaking for me, I want to be able to speak for even the guy with the $5 weed sack that got caught and he had to do nine days to the dude that like me to have to do the 40 tons. You know what I'm saying? Everybody in between, all the prisoners should be able to have get some kind of love back from the cannabis community where, you know, we need medical and dental and stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? Like there's things that you come on with that it's a $1,200 bill if you want to go to get, get your teeth fixed. But if, if, if every cannabis dispensary put together $50 a month, you feel what I'm saying? And it all went to a fund where that went towards the prisoners at war to all the POWs where now, okay, now you guys have medical or now you guys have this or now you have insurance for this. But the fight, we're in the fight just like them, like they were in the fight, you feel I me? Mean, now that the benefits are kicking in, just take care of the people that that, that serve frontline, just like you got to say, for a veteran that serve frontline for the world, for the United States, for, for our country. So we serve for the plant and they serve for the country. And we just, you know, it would be nice if we just had a little couple of benefits too, because you're going to have some people that may need help in housing, help in this, and help in all different kinds of departments. And, uh, I just think it would be great, you know. I mean, they all got together and done something like that because it's just would be just a such a small percentage. If you just add it up from Seattle to Colorado, if everybody just got put in a hundred dollars a month at each dispensary around the world, what did it add up to, and how many people you can help? That's the most reasonable uh, proposition that I've heard about how to just levy like a tiny amount of money from legal cannabis to give back to the people who've been harmed by the war on drugs. Just two eighths out of the whole little thing. Just two little things. Every grand. Yep. Just a hundred bucks a month mm. would be something. And then just, obviously mm. there'll be have to, you know, some sort of control of that and making sure and you know, depending on how many years you serve versus mm. or whatever, but that'll all come once yeah. you implement the macro idea of it. And you have you're working on entering the the legal space with a line of cannabis products down the down the road? Yeah, so we're working with uh, with uh, with the evidence brand, um, and so the evidence brand we're doing like a white label situation. We're uh, hopefully that should be happening very very soon. We have a documentary coming out that we shot like two three weeks before Corvain got out, which was a brand story EPK, but we shot it like a doc, so it's gonna you'll watch it like a little five minute doc kind of thing. Amazing. We got look into my eyes. I got the we got the book coming out too. We're trying Just to drop that four twenty. It's gonna have fun and sex scenes and stuff like that. And I mean, it's gonna really be my real life. It's not gonna be fabricated. So you're gonna really get to see the stuff that I went through growing up, you know what I mean? So it's gonna get personal. It's gonna be, you know, my mom's gonna be on drugs. My dad's gonna sell drugs. And, you know, it's gonna show growing up rough and it's gonna have everything of what I had to do to survive. Can I ask you about how you talk to your kids about this kind of stuff? Cause I feel like my parents, kept me really isolated from the realities of the world. And um, I wish that they'd known how to talk to me about stuff. How do you how do you talk to your kids? And then how do you suggest everyone should talk to their kids about all of this? Just be, just be straight up, because these kids, yeah. man, these phones and these computers, they're smarter than you think they are. So don't pull their leg, because they know that you're just bullshitting. So when we're passing by now, they're looking up, you know, when you get to LA now, it's a big sign that says, welcome, uh, Cannabis is legal, you know, so it's a big it's a billboard. It's fucking big as hell. So they are, they see that and they, you know, they uh, point it out to me like, dad, you're in jail for that. And they got cannabis legal and, you know, stuff like that. So it's just, a, it's, it's, it's just great to, to know that the kids are way smarter now and they're going to teach you stuff now. You know I mean? You can't teach the kids nothing. They're going to be teaching you now because they're, they're way more advanced than we are. They're straight A students too. With, with my kids, they've just been around it growing up. So they, you know what I mean? We're, we grew up poor, you know what I mean? Um, we kept, you know, did everything we could to keep our kids out of the areas where we grew up at. Um, you know, their grandparents is, you know, we're are from the hood. They're, like everyone is, you know, my wife's mom um, and grandmothers, uh, rest in peace, um, have, were in their lives. So they saw this and you know her brother's going to jail and dad going in and out of jail growing up and so they kind of have been around it to the point where um you know they it's not new to them right and so we always did our best to like even though we were doing the stuff to keep them out of it 
you know what I mean? And so it's kind of almost double standardish, right? Cause you're doing, you know, you're hustling when you're young and you're doing these things and you would never want your kids to do it, but then they see it. Right. So we had to go through that evolution of learning how to be better parents. But I think with what Corbain said of just let them be them and you be with you to them and you just talk with them and you're truthful with them. I think that's what it's about. It's about open dialogue because it doesn't matter where you're from, who you're from. If you're rich, you're poor, you're from the hood, you're from the hills, you're from here, you're from there. Conflict occurs when there's no communication. You two are and your circle. You, your circle, your people are an unstoppable force that I am uh, I'm honored to like talk with you today. Thank you so much. Could we do a bunch of plugs? Because everybody should find you everywhere and support you in every way they can. Yeah. First and foremost, we are fundraising right now for Corvain. He just came home. As you know, when, you, when you're, you've been off the streets for this long, you need housing, you need transportation, you need toothpaste, you need just the bare minimum, just the basics. And so we're in the hood right now. Too. We're in the, yeah. And where he, and we have to be out of here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, so the issue is, uh, is you need to rehabilitate and get back on your feet. And so the first thing we want to say is if you can go to the GoFundMe, just type in Corvain Cooper GoFundMe. It's the first link that pops up on Google uh, or the cash app dollar sign Corvain Cooper and just donate whatever you can afford. All of it goes to a good cause. It goes to help him and his family. And so we don't want to have to have him go to work at Taco Bell, you know, in two or three weeks when, when the buzz has gone down that he's home, we need, we want to build these brands and we want to push the movement. And he wants to go talk at juvenile halls and talk to the other cannabis prisoners and really help and do good. Well, the only way you could do that is if you have an income and you have the ability to do that. So that's where we'll start first. Go fund me, Corvain Cooper. Secondly, the 40 tons brand, you can find us at 40tons.co. That's 40tons.co. Everything is on our website there. We got shirts for sale that uh, 100% of proceeds go towards uh, his, uh, his welcome home. We've got hoodies uh, and we got hats and we're in the process of making more, more things as we go. Our Instagram is 40 tons brand, 40tons brand. And that's the same across all social medias, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter. It's all 40 tons brand. And then Corvain's personal Instagram is at Corvain Cooper. So you could follow him there. Same thing with uh, Facebook, uh, sl- facebook.com slash Corvain Cooper. You can also find the companies that we're working with, which is evidence. You can go to uh, uh, Instagram. There is uh, evidence bag. They're, uh, they're an amazing organization. We're also working um, uh, on a deal with a company called Blaze. Um, which is CBD products and potentially Delta A products. So look for that in the upcoming um, upcoming time soon. That's called Blaze with a Y. And um, who else we want to give a shout out to? Last Prisoner Project. Project. You could always find them at at Last Prisoner Project. Corbain Hmm. sits on the board. Uh, Marijuana Matters DC. L'Oreal sits on their advisory board. Buried Alive Project. Big shout out to Brittany K. Barnett. Um, we, got the, we got the up coming soon, so I'm, 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 I'm on the board of, of up too. So we got the up where we're going to help the kids out. They got a coding thing. We're, I mean, we got some things. That There's a lot. Yeah, we're, right there. so many plugs. It's ridiculous. But the, but but it, the book, the book is going to be what you want to do. If you want to really jump on a roller coaster and you want it to go up and down and go fast and really get on a real ride and get a real LA story of, of a guy that tried to make it out of nothing, then uh, that's the one you're going to pick up because it's going to be raw and cut. I'm not going to. I'm not going to cut anything. It's raw. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. going to be some things you like. It's going to be some things you don't like, but it's going to be true. And all of that is all you can, you'll be able to find everything at 40tons.co uh, and or our social media pages. There'll be branches out to all these different things. So there's a lot on the table right now. We're blessed. We're thankful. We're working all the angles. We're, we're vetting everything, making sure contracts are good, making sure that we can legally do the things that we want to do. Right. He's still technically on probation, so we want to make sure that that's ten the years. I'm on ten years paper. Ten freaking years, man! You so the think- chain is still is, is not broke yet. We're trying to get it broken. We're trying to talk to Tommy Chung. He's supposed to have a plug with Biden, and I'm trying to get a pardon. We're hoping, yeah. I mean, we're, we're 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 praying. We're keeping our fingers crossed, and we're hoping that uh, that happens. But in the meantime, we're doing everything that we can by the book. We want to make sure that everything's built right. We want to build it on brick and not straw, right? So that's what we're doing. 
not just on the legality side, but even also on the branding side, right? We want to make sure that our anything that we put out is just good quality, good flavor, good look, good everything. So find us at 40tons.co and uh, you'll be happy. I think you'll uh, you'll like you'll like what we have. Well, shout out to High End too. They send me a lot of clothes. It's my boy's branding. He sends me chains and clothes and stuff. So shout out to High End too for keeping me fresh. And shout out to Weed and Grub, man. Weed and Grub, you guys are doing big things. We really appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys because you guys were one of the people that reached out to me on Clubhouse before all this madness and craziness. And you guys just wanted to show support and did. So we appreciate that. And so that's why you're, you know, we uh, we wanted to do this now, you know, to give back to you guys for just always showing support and connecting us with Zoe. Shout out Zoe Wilder. You know, so she's uh, she's on the team now, too. So we appreciate you guys. Mike and Mary Jane, we and Grub, you're going to go listen to them right now. They got the exclusive. <laughs> well, thank you both. And also, if you didn't have the opportunity to write all those links down, you can always go to our show notes and our show description where we will have every single thing for you to click on and show your support as you listen to this podcast. 40 Tons. Anthony Corvain, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.